0: I've got a little, I've got a, a, a picture in my office up on the board. I think you put it there. Jen put it there. Um, she puts notes for me all the time, like get your act together. Um, <laughs> but um, there's a picture of a little girl. And I want you to hear this. I know I've said it before, but I want you to hear this. This little one, I ain't saying the name, so I'm not spreading. Would scream at the top of her lungs. She's in preschool, like so three scream at the top of her lungs one day at home she did it for 10 hours straight i want you to think about that i think grandma's a pediatrician i think pop-pop is a doctor mom and dad are very professional and they're all we're all just like you know I mean, she would come into class, and we'd have to take her out because she would... (laughs) Three-year-olds get distracted from somebody screaming at the top of their lungs. You know what I'm saying? Um, I just do that when I don't eat. Um, But in all seriousness, Drew and Pastor took that little one to the prayer room. And if you don't know about the prayer room, the prayer room is at the end of this hallway down here to the right. And there are... It's a prayer room. There's instructions on prayer. There's prayer books there's anything you need down there, and you're welcome to go down there anytime, day or night. Okay? Now, if you come in, the kids are here. You need to sign in at the office and let us know where you are and where you're going. Okay? But in the evening, if you want to come in, we can be here or give you a fob or whatever. But I want you to understand, great and mighty things are happening in that little room. And if, if somebody else is in there, there are prayer booths that you can go in there and be by yourself. And so I I just think this is such a powerful thing. They took that little girl in there, prayed over her. That little girl is fine. There's a picture in my office. There's a picture in my office of her going. Now, let me also tell you how goofy we can become even though God is doing something great. This week, at the beginning of the week, we had no lifeguard. So like the good man of faith in God that I am, I was going to go out and become a lifeguard. (laughs) Until Jen said, well, you have to swim 12 laps. And I'm like, (gasps) Um, (laughs) I don't know about that. And God that night woke me up. And he's got this bad habit of doing this. And he says, do you trust me? Don't you trust me? What do you say to God? No, you know. and, and, And now I think we've got five people Who are applying to be lifeguard? And because the next day I canceled that mess and all that kind of stuff, and just said I put it in God's hands. Will you learn from that? (laughs) Here's the biggest. Will I learn from that? I'm serious. It's it's just so easy, isn't it? Because God is slow. I think. Because I've got an agenda, don't you? Anybody else got a timing? You know, I think God ought to do it like uh, now, you know. And God does it in his perfect time. And it just, it's hard sometimes. Forgive yourself and everything if you mess up. Just get back on track. Don't talk about how you're off track. Well, get back on track. You know, I hear this all the while. you know, I'm not what I should be. Well, become what you should be. You know, what is the problem here? Huh. You are. I am sometimes, so very, very, very important. Drew brought up something that, that um, at, in, in, in his prayer, his, his desire for prayer, and that is he wanted to become more like Jesus Christ. And it, when you call yourself a Christian, you do know that what you're saying is that you want to be like Jesus. I hear this all the time. Oh, yeah, no, we're all sinners. It's okay. No big deal. No, it is okay. It's not okay because my Bible says the wages of sin being outside of, or being outside of the perfect glory of God is sin. The wages of sin is death. And we've got this ho hum cavalier, who cares? What a big deal? You know, attitude in the church where well, I can have sin. Everybody's got sin. I'm, you know, well, you know what? I don't want sin in my life. I want to be like Jesus. I want to walk like Jesus. I want to talk like Jesus. I want hair like Jesus. I want, you know, I, I you know, I, I, that ain't going to happen. But, you know, I, I you know, oh, well, I guess I could have miracles. Give me some more. And, um, but, but in all seriousness, I, 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 I want to love like Jesus. I want to lead like Jesus. I, I want to use my gifting like Jesus. I want to be willing to deny myself and take up my personal cross See, the church doesn't even talk about this stuff anymore. Because church has become a place where you go and you get psychotherapy because it's about you. And I want you to understand, that's why the church is so weak. And that's why the country is in such bad shape. Because the church has become this little psychotherapy place, little entertainment place. Well, I like to worship. That's why I go, what? I go to church because I like Jesus. You, you make him first, everything else will work out. You seek His righteousness first; everything else will work out. If you do this first, you in a big heap of trouble, boy. And you got to be older to understand that one. That was Boss Hog from. But um, but the bottom line is, you got to understand this is so important. We can't lose sight of who as Christians we are. We are not supposed to be like each other. Much we love each other. I love you with all my heart. I will die for every one of you. If somebody walked in here right now, I would die instantly for for all of you. I don't want to be like you. Amen? Amen? I want to be like Jesus. And we need to be into Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and, and, and listening to him and hearing him and watching him. And, and, and you know, when it says I'm supposed to walk in his footsteps, I'm supposed to be digging that out saying, what does that mean? What does that look like? What does that walk like? What does that feel like? What does that love like? Amen, Christians? Amen. You see, it's not about, you know, whether I, I, I keep the rules of the church. I, I've come to the point where I think the rules and traditions sometimes are almost demonic. Because people people lean on that trash. I grew up with that. Some of the meanest, nastiest people I've ever met in my life kept the rules of the church. Do you get that? And some of you came up in that trash and you're not sure how to get away from that. And you need to because Galatians says that somebody has ripped the gospel out of your heart. Are you with me? I mean, one of the things that, that I think we need to hear and understand is... This little girl, Abigail, was down here praying for her lost friends. Why aren't we all down here praying for our lost friends and loved ones? Seriously, guys. I mean, as a man or woman of God, I don't know about you, but I got some real cuckoo um, friends and lost loved ones. Amen. I mean, some of them. Some I don't know about your family, but they out there, man. You know. We need to be praying and fasting and praying and fasting and do like Christy did. Go and talk. And when you do that, you need to understand that's scary stuff. Are you with me? Well, not my Christianity. My Christianity is just comfortable. Well, my Christianity is not. I have a feeling when Jesus was on the cross, it was not comfortable. They're beating him, tearing his skin off, tearing his hair out, smacking him. I think I'd rather be beat than have some man smack me. But the bottom line is, you you need to hear this. We are called. We are saved. Jesus died and rose again to restore us to his image, not the church's image. And you need to look at your life and say, am I living according to the church? Or am I living according to Jesus Christ? Am I living like him? You know, if you're not sure what that is, during this summer, and I don't know how long, i got 72 different things, but I won't preach them all today. Because we'll be here till next week. But, but we're going to do the first one today. If you want to open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 1, um, I, I want you to understand the first one, and, and this, is, this is the type of thing that, that we've kind of lost. We, we need to understand, and I'll get to it, but Jesus came to save. Are, are you listening to me? So if Jesus came to save, what are we supposed to be doing? What are we supposed to be about? psychotherapy oh makes me feel good or somehow i'm going to take this great grace that has transformed my life and i'm going to invest it just like jesus did oh but that's uncomfortable i want you to think about that for a second jesus christ is sitting in perfect pristine heaven sitting there up there on the throne eating tasty cakes anytime he wants to and he, he, before he even created the world, decided, I'm going to go down to that mess. And I'm going to live in that mess. And I'm going to get dirty. And I'm going to hurt. And I'm going to suffer. And I'm going to die. And I'm going to rise again because I love them. Folks, if Jesus did that, guess what? We who call ourselves Christians are supposed to do that. Oh, I'm in the wrong church. I want to hear how wonderful I am. Well, get it right. Then you'll know I'm on the right track. You want peace? You want joy? You want hope? You want to get out of the mess you're in? Get it right. Get in that center. Quit playing these little church games, these little... Wimpy little religious games. And get to the center where Jesus is. Walk like him. Talk like him. Love like him. Die like him. Suffer like him. And rise again like him. And invest in a lost and dying world. Man, could you imagine if every person who called himself a Christian actually did that? Wouldn't that be cool? The first thing I want you to understand is, I'm not going to read it. Because, you know, I I know this is basically a white church and you want to be out here by 12. So I don't have time for that. But... The first 16 verses of this chapter, I've I've taught this before. But the first 16 chapters of, of, of of this chapter of Matthew 1, I want you to hear this. You think your family's nuts. Go back there and read Jesus' family. Jesus' lineage. Okay? I mean, you had deceivers, you had thieves, you had robbers, you had adulterers you had ladies of the evening, you had, and you had, and you had, you had murders. I mean, in all seriousness, are you listening to me? So often, I hear people, well, you know, my life isn't much because my family wasn't much. Jesus' family was cuckoo for stinking cocoa puffs, man. Are you listening to me? Don't give me this stuff, well, I can't do much because my family has never done much. Don't listen to that trash. Do not listen to that trash, okay? And you might look at your own life and go, man, I have made a mess. Anybody ever felt that way? I have made a mess. Sometimes my marriage is a mess. Sometimes my finances are a mess. Sometimes my home's a mess. Sometimes my mind is a mess. Sometimes my heart is a mess. So, sometimes it's just a mess. Sometimes I talk so negative. The bottom line is, I, you know, and, and many times we feel like, well, I made the mess, so it's my responsibility to unmess the mess. Let me help you with something. You don't have the ability to unmess the mess. Are you with me? You don't have the ability to deal with the sin that made the mess. Okay? You don't. Is everybody listening? Do you hear what I'm saying? None of us do. Your therapist doesn't. Your doctor doesn't. Even the preacher doesn't. There's only one that can unmess the mess, and that's Jesus Christ. But let me let you know a secret. No matter what kind of mess you made, he can unmess the mess. He can remake your life. Amen? I want you to hear this. And I want you to tell somebody this this week. Just tell them, he can unmess the mess. They'll understand that. Because we all do. Amen? So Jesus' family was nuts. I mean, crazy. I mean, cuckoo. I mean, just read it this afternoon. If you don't understand, go back. Look at the little thing in the middle of your Bible. Go back and look at the people and see what they did and all that kind of stuff. What a mess. So you've got this mess. But the first thing I want you to see is verse 17. Thus there were 14 generations in all from Abraham to David. And 14 from David to the exile to Babylon. And 14 from the exile to the Messiah or Jesus Christ. Hmm. It almost sounds like a plan. I'll say it again because most of you missed it. It almost sounds like a plan. No matter how messed up your life may get. No matter how messed up you may get. No matter how Satan's speaking to your mind, telling you there's nothing you can do. I want you to understand, in the middle of the mess, the first 16 verses, God... Has a plan. Right. Don't tell nobody I said this. But God had a plan before he even created the world. Amen. So this plan is not some oops. God doesn't say oops. Oops, they messed it up. I better do something. No. God knew we were going to mess it up before he even made the place. Okay? Are you with me? You know? So, well, Pastor, why are you talking about this? Because I want you to understand. Your life might not be a mess now, but next week it might. And I want you to understand that no matter how bad the mess is, no matter how cuckoo the situation may seem, no matter how much Satan wants you to feel like he doesn't care about you because you made the mess, he didn't make the mess, but he had a plan, a perfect plan right in the middle of the mess. And that plan is steeped and rooted in eternity. Amen. Amen. I want you to hear this. This is awesome to me. You know, I don't have to wonder. God already knew whatever stupid thing I was gonna do. I'm sorry, I know that's a harsh word, but sometimes I do stupid things. And the bottom line is, He already had a plan to deal with that. It's called the cross and the resurrection. Are you with me? So the next time life seems to get all in a mess, I want you to go, well, okay. I made a mess. But God's got a plan. I'll say it again because most of you missed it. But God's got a plan. And instead of doing what pastor does and going out and becoming a lifeguard... I'm going to choose to believe that God has a perfect plan. And he has the ability to bring that perfect plan into my life. Amen? Next step. Not only am I going to get to the point where I know that no matter what the mess might be in my life, I know that he's got a perfect plan And when I see somebody else who has a mess in their life, instead of rolling my eyes and looking down at them, I'm going to say, listen, I've been there. And let me tell you something. Almighty God's got a plan with your name on it. Because just like Jesus came to save, that's exactly what we Christians are supposed to go out and do. Just like Jesus came, Came to save. That's what us Christians are supposed to do. Yeah, that's right. Are you with me? And this is so very important. Because this is why so many people's Christianity gets all stagnant. They're like, well, praise God. He saved my life. Okay. Now, let's go empty out in somebody else's life. Amen. And then you come back and you want some fresh stuff. Amen. It's so very, very important. So very, very, very important. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. Now, I want you to just between me and you, God should have asked me about this before He did this. Okay? I mean, couldn't He think of a better plan? His son, his, the family, what a mess! What a mess. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. Back then, an engagement wasn't something you did four or five times growing up. Back then, when you were betrothed, it's like you're married. You know? I know some guys have been engaged ten times. Same ring. <laughs> okay? You know. But before they came together, in other words, they had relations, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Now, the thing you've got to understand, back then, they didn't have parties for young ladies who were pregnant out of wedlock. They stoned them. Are you with me? I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't no yee-haw thing. They killed you for this. And by the way, it is hot because the air condition is not working. So you pray for me tomorrow when I talk to this company that Jesus will be in the center of that. All right? Because I'm getting hot and I just wanted you to know. And, you know, if you need a coat, go get a coat. But let me help you with this. This, is, this stuff was serious stuff back then. And little 15, 14, 15-year-old 15 Mary had to go to her parents and her betrothed, her fiancé, whatever she called him, and say, Listen, <laughs> I'm pregnant. And the Father is God. Now if your little girl came to you and said, "I'm pregnant and the Father is God," we'd probably make an appointment for that little girl. And then I'd be looking for me, a little boy. Huh? What a mess! What a mess. But you see, here's the thing I hope you're hearing this morning. God Almighty was right in the middle of the mess. No matter what mess happens in our lives, please hear me. Whenever you realize you're in a mess, I want you to say, Oh my goodness, that crazy, bald-headed preacher (laughs) said, Almighty God is in the middle of the mess because the evil one's going to try to tell you there's no hope because you made the mess. Mary didn't make the mess. Right? She had nothing to do with it. But you see, God was in the middle of the mess. And he had a plan. In fact, here's the weird part. It was his plan. Doesn't make any sense to me. (laughs) You know. But you know what? He thinks a little different than I do. His ways and his mind and his abilities are so much higher than mine. He thinks eternally. I think now. Amen? But he was right in the middle of the mess. Right in the middle of what was going on. And realize this. In the middle of the mess. And the world was no different when Jesus was here. And Jesus' lineage was crazy. The world was crazy. His personal family, it was crazy. It was a mess. Down into the center of that, right into the womb of a 14, 15-year-old little girl, he planted his seed to get every one of us out of the mess. Amen. Don't tell anybody I said this. But no matter where you are and what kind of mess there might be in your life, he can come down That's right. and he can impregnate you by his Holy Spirit. And plant his divinity in your mind and in your heart. And he absolutely can bring salvation to where you are too. Step further. We can go out of here and we can go to people who are in a mess. And we can tell them. If you will allow God. God Almighty can send the person of his Holy Spirit to right where you are. To plant his seed and to bring salvation to the middle of your mess. Amen? Isn't that cool stuff? Huh? Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law, and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. He wanted to become a lifeguard. You get it? Do you ever do that? God, let me help you out. Because you must not understand a situation. You must not have the ability to deal with this. We all tend to do that, don't we? You know? We all do. You know? But we always get messed up when we do. Amen? Amen. But after uh, he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. Now, actually, that name in the Greek is Yeshua or Joshua. And if you remember back in in Joshua... (laughs) It was Joshua who led his people across the river, out of a, the sinful world, into the promised land. Okay? You should call his name Jesus, Joshua. Because he will save his people from their sins. Somebody should be having a hallelujah fit right. I want you to hear this. I don't care what's happened in your life. I am so tired of, well, you don't understand what happened to me. It really doesn't matter what happened to to you. The grace of Jesus Christ is sufficient, and his power is perfect to set you free from that mess. Okay? Well, you're not compassionate. Nah, you're probably, my name's probably not. And picture's not next to compassion in the Bible. But, I mean, in the dictionary. But, I want you to understand, no matter where you are, no matter where you've been, no matter what might ever happen to you, the grace of God is sufficient to save you from whatever or who ever. I want you to personalize that. Oh, but I've got this temptation. Anybody have something, a temptation that has dogged you for so long? Anybody? rest of you are lying. But the bottom line is, man, what do I do? What do I do? What you do is you place it in the center of Jesus Christ who came to be your Savior. When you are saved, you are made eternally right with God and you are set free from the things that are dogging you in this world. Did you hear what I just said? When you are saved, you are made right with God. Puff out your chest a little bit. And all them people tell you you're a bad person, you look at them and say, get out of my face, I'm right with God. All right? Second, you got to hear this. It's also the word deliverance. If your marriage is a mess, God could set you free from the goofiness that is causing that mess. If your mind is a mess, God could set you free from that goofiness, that sin that is dogging your mind. If your heart is a mess, oh, but pastor, you don't know what they did to me. It doesn't matter what they did to you. God could set you free. Don't listen to the evil one or church people. Church people drive me crazy. They're all mediocre. Pastor, you make it too simple and and you just give us too big a vision and we're disappointed. No, you're not. There is no such thing as too big a vision or too much hope in Jesus Christ. The bottom line is no matter what is in your life, I want you to understand he can set you free. And when that person comes back at you and says, oh, but mine's different. You look at them and say, you can need to read Matthew 1. Look at the mess Jesus was in. (coughs) I want you to hear this, guys. No matter what. No matter what. Look at the person next to you and say passionately, no matter what. No matter what. All three of you did it. I want you to get this. I want you to understand this. Jesus Christ can come. And impregnate you with a power and glory and ability to set you free. So that you could be set free. And you that are freed in Jesus Christ are set freed indeed. You are set freed right. You are made whole. You are made holy. You are made right with him. I want you to get this. I want you to understand this. And then you take what Jesus has done for you. And you go tell somebody else how Jesus can do it for them. You want it to become alive in you. You want to walk in here with a a step high. Go out here this week and instead of walking here next Sunday like, oh, goodness, I hope this sermon's not long. You walk in and say, I can't wait till testimony time. Because I can tell how Jesus Christ blessed me and used me this week to impact and save somebody else's life. Because all of us have people in our neighborhoods and our families that need this. Amen? Amen? And I want you to get this. This is too many people who call themselves Christians. They don't even think about doing this. But if Jesus did it, I'm supposed to do it. You're supposed to do it. We're supposed to.